She is a body positive queen. She's a little bit thick. Um, and she is out on these internet streets uh, selling out and the talk of all social media. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Aka Tech Savvy Diva. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, aka Brother Tech. And welcome to the Snob OS Show, the show for Apple Snobs, where we talk all things Apple and then some. We want to give a quick thank you and shout out for all of our Patreon supporters and their continued support. And if you, a not Patreon supporter, want to get in on the exclusive content, you can head on over to patreon.com/slash snobos to watch the show live and get exclusive content. With that, we have a lot to talk about this week, so let's go ahead and hop into it. We're going to start with the lowdown where we talk all things Apple, and all things Apple this week revolves around the Apple event that happened on yesterday, Tuesday, March 8th, which was titled Peak for Performance. So um, quite a few things um, came to light. Let's start with some of the quicker, easier ones. Um, let's start with Apple TV Plus. So Apple TV Plus, um, in addition to announcing the uh, Academy Award nominations for CODA, for uh, Macbeth with uh, Denzel Washington, um, Swan Song with Mahersha Ali, those are all awesome. Put, of course, the shows that we already know and love from Apple TV Plus, plus there are some new shows coming. And I actually just saw on Twitter today that um, Chris Evans, I believe, is shooting uh, Apple TV Apple TV Plus show in the Marriott Square today. So they got some behind the scenes um, video of him, you know, on set working. So all that to say, um, some new great shows coming in and some great shows coming back, and they are being awarded with the highest acting honor. So that bodes good for Apple TV Plus content, and also they are getting into the sporting game. They introduced on the announcement Friday Night Baseball, which um, every Friday night, um, Apple TV Plus will have two exclusive uh, Major League Baseball games available without blackouts in the following countries, U.S., Canada, Australia, Brazil, Japan, Mexico, Puerto Rico, South Korea, and the U.K. They will also be bringing a Monday through Friday show entitled MLB Big Inning that will um, stream in the U.S. and in Canada highlights and replays of games for that week, along with giving you live peek-ins to games in progress. So to me, it sounds like, one, we got to see when baseball is coming back because baseball is currently striking. And two, it looks like Apple is getting in on the sports action by dipping their toe into the MLB first. So what are your thoughts? Uh, do you think Apple TV is coming for, Apple TV Plus is coming for like your ESPNs, some of your major network um, channels with the sporting events by by kicking it off with this MLB? Uh, it only makes sense that uh, app, um, of all the streaming services, uh, Apple TV Plus will get some sort of sporting because that's one of the things that ties well, that's like the main thing that ties people 
to network or cable television is the ability, the ability to get network broadcast live sports. Uh, Amazon has picked up uh, Thursday night football so you can watch Thursday night football on Amazon. You can even watch some NFL football on Twitter. So Twitter is actually streaming live games. So it makes sense to Apple to jump on that. Um, the fact that they're getting baseball, uh, the fact that they're getting baseball now uh, may not be a good look until they actually get into the swing of things, uh, pun intended. Uh, but you know what would be what? Okay, let me let me rephrase. So um, NBA is playing right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't get to catch all of the games because I don't pay for NBA League Pass. And so I only watch what's on television, right? Um, the shows, the, 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 the games that I don't see on television, I find myself going to YouTube. And what's cool about watching pre-recorded stuff on YouTube is they show just the highlights, so you could watch a whole entire game by just watching the highlights. You know, anybody scores, goes on a good scoring run, a big dunk, you know, anything spectacular, they, they NBA packages that up and just shows you the highlights. That's super interesting. Since baseball is boring, <laughs> fight me if you want to. <laughs> you kind of have to be at the game for baseball to be any type to of be in, in my opinion. Right? <laughs> What would be dope for Apple to not only get baseball, but to bring more viewers in to watch baseball and then get them hooked on other things would be if they did like a not just in addition to the live two like two exclusive live games that they'll carry. If they could figure out a way to package up baseball highlights, that would be more entertaining for somebody to say, oh, let me try this out. And then you hook them on to the other stuff. Rather than watching the full game. Yeah, right. Makes sense. All right. On to the next thing that, that was announced. Not sure why that opened. Um, iPhone 13. Um, we didn't get um, you know, any major changes with iPhone 13, but they do now come in two colors in the green family. The standard iPhone. Um, will come in green and the iPhone 13 Pro and Pro Max will come in an alpine green, the quote unquote standard, just the regular iPhone 13. That's kind of a darker green, I believe. And the alpine is a little bit lighter. Um, But yeah, just in time, but not quite so much for uh, St. Patrick's Day. This is, it's available for order now, but it doesn't ship until March After St. Patrick's Day. And St. Patrick's Day is on March 17th. So they kind of missed the mark there. They could have had. Well, so (laughs) is this American missed the mark? Because there are a lot of Americans that celebrate St. Patrick's Day, but not really. Right. Versus actual. Practicing in air quotes, Irish uh, people who may be. Uh, interested in this phone and will get it. St. Patrick's Day be damned. I'm Irish. I'm going to get a green phone, right? So they really won't care whether or not it gets here before or after St. Patrick's Day because technically speaking, well, not take 
from an American viewpoint, St. Patrick's Day is just a weekend where people get drunk, right? <laughs> so they well, may not even care anyway from... because who cares? It's just St. Patrick's Day. I just want to get drunk. So you're talking to a girl who is from a town called East Dublin and Dublin City. They are the home of the Fighting Irish. There is a month of festivities. There's a Irish festival, St. Patrick's Day Queen. There are events all week, um, parades. So yeah, down there is a big thing. Probably I would say maybe in Boston, they have a huge Irish population up there. Maybe those folks, you know, I think there's a big celebration in Savannah. I'm not sure why in Savannah, because I don't think it has really any ties, but there are pockets of, of places in the United States that are huge uh, supporters and huge celebrators of the St. Patrick's Day. So uh, I just think it's a very pretty color. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to buy it myself because I like the classic colors, but it's a very pretty color. And for those people who like that aesthetic or want to get in on that, um, pretty much kind of like when they announced the purple iPhone, people were losing their minds and people kind of bought it up. So uh, maybe they did some market research or something that said green is the color that people really want. Um, but in any event, if you're into it, um, it will, it's, you know, you could order it now and the first shipping dates and the first availability date, availability dates are March 18th. So if you're into that, you may want to get on it. It might be a little bit too late by the time you hear this show. If you're listening to the recorded show, because the dates are probably already shifting out. All right. The next big announcement was the much rumored, much talked about iPhone SE. Um, that was announced. It comes in three colors, midnight, which is black, starlight. I didn't realize that it had an official name, which is kind of like your white color and red. This phone will come with the A15 Bionic chip. It will be 5G. And the home button lives. So this device does have a home button and does not use Face ID like um, the iPhone 13 and 12. I think maybe 11. All the way down to the iPhone 10. Yeah. iPhone yeah, 10 like, is when they started Face ID. When they started with the 10. I mean, right. yeah, with the Face, um, yeah. Which makes sense because this is supposed to be a cheap phone. Yes. And to differentiate it from yep. the higher... 13 versions it makes sense to have touch yeah. id i don't they have think anybody to, they have to make a difference they yeah, have to i don't think anybody expected it to have face id um it e even though it is 30 dollars more expensive more. than the last generation iphone se i saw someone saying it, it was a 5g camera, tax yeah the fact that it does have um the a15 behind the chip the fact that it does have 256 gigs i think of yeah it goes 64 28 128 and 256. Right. So yeah, that's worth the extra money. So there's no surprise there with that device. No. Um, and uh I foresee it being probably a hot seller starting at 429. I mean, that's a nice price point to get a pretty decent phone. You can get an you can you can get a, for 430 bucks, you can get a iPhone 12 with a home button. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And this is or being able you can order this starting on Friday, um, which is what, March 11th. Um, and it will be <clears throat> available on March 18th. 
um, depending on when you order. Shipping dates my slide, but you can likely go into a store and possibly pick it up as well. So that was pretty much it on the phone front. Then they got into some of the big splashy things. Um, we know about the Apple Silicon chip. Well, it got a new upgrade and we have the M1 Ultra, which is essentially two M1 Max chips that are fused together and um, they are fused with something called Ultra Fusion. So I got the two chips um, in the in the prior to this in the in the fastest chip, which was the M1 Max that is now um, in this new M1 Ultra. Couple facts. Um, 114 billion transistors, um, 800 gigabits per, per second memory bandwidth, 128 gigabits unified memory. It has 20 core GPU um, and 64 core GPU. Thoughts on the Ultra when you first saw it? Eh, um, makes sense for Apple to take um, two M1 Max chips to make it a M1 Ultra. Uh, probably the the name <laughs> probably jumps out more than anything. You know, everybody was calling it the uh, M2, mm -hmm. uh, uh, whatever other things they came up with. But the fact they're sticking with the M1, M1. for all of the device, for all of the all of the silicon chips from the M1 that came in the 13 inch Mac Pro, MacBook Pros a year and a half ago on through the M1 Pro and the M1. Um, um, M1 Max that was announced in the MacBook Pros just this past fall. Now they're going into the studio devices or the studio Mac. And instead of that being an M2, they just call it M1 Ultra. So it makes sense. Yeah. And likely they wanted to, this is probably their highest level chip on the M1 line. They probably wanted to, in their roadmap, go all the way to the end and go through the the life cycle of the M1 before they moved up to the increment of the M2. So uh, actually they could probably stay with the M1 Ultra even if they announce new products. Like for instance, my guess is there's going to be a Mac Pro that's going to be a step above this studio Mac Mini Studio. Um, they could still use the M1 uh, Max chips for those until their entire lineup of MacBooks have some sort of M1. Once every lineup of MacBook or Mac rather, not just MacBook, Mac has an M1 something, that will be enough time for developers to catch up. That'll be enough time for, you know, um, yeah, developers whether it be little apps or like big developers like um, um, uh, Microsoft and um, what's the other one? Um, Photoshop. Who does Photoshop? Adobe. Adobe. Yeah. For the big, the big players, big you know, for everybody, for instance, I have a Logitech uh, streaming camera that I'm streaming from right now. I'm ready to get rid of it because the, capture software is not compatible with M1 Max. So that means I can't tweak the, um, I can't use the software to tweak the resolution, to tweak, to fine tune it. I just got to mm -hmm. use out of the box, like it's just a regular camera, which right. defeats the purpose of me paying $170. So I'm ready to get rid of it. So all right. that to say, 
um, when the stragglers come along and finally make all of their stuff compatible with Silicon, then Apple will say, all right, we've, we've set the benchmark. Silicon is here to stay. It ain't going nowhere. Now this let's move into the M2s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So the question was, okay, we have this M1 Ultra. There had been rumors that it was going to be a new Mac Mini. People weren't sure what is, what is this going to go into? Well, Apple yet again introduced um, two new pieces of hardware, Studio Mac and Studio Display. So Studio Mac is pretty much the uh, plus version of the Mac Mini. She is a body positive queen. She's a little bit thick um, and she is out on these internet streets uh, selling out and the talk of all social media. So um, she comes with uh, two Thunderbolt 4 ports and an SD card slot on the front. And on the back of the device, you got four Thunderbolt um, 4 ports, uh, 10 gigabit Ethernet, two USB-A, which will come in handy for a lot of people as well, and HDMI and mini jack on the back. So if you take a look at this device, it looks like maybe three Mac minis is probably stacked the thickness on stacked on other. top of each other. Because mm-hmm. uh, I saw a picture of someone kind of comparing them. I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably about three of them. Um, so she is, you know, a bit thick, but it still gives you Mac mini vibes. Um, oh, and it says she it is 3.7 inches tall and 7.8 inches wide and deep. It has two fans that pulls air from the bottom. So, of course, it runs this Ultra, this M1 Ultra. So, of course, it's significantly faster. It pretty much outpaces the M1 and any other Intel chip as as well on speed, on power consumption, um, and graphics loading. So, it's pretty specced out. It's pretty, you know, the latest uh, and the greatest, I think. In the announcement, they said that you can attach four displays, and then there was four, another one as well as a, T, a 4K TV mm-hmm. in addition to. So you can essentially have like five different, you know, interfaces, displays running simultaneously on this device. Now, if you're in the market for something and you're looking to purchase something, um, it's going to cost you. So the Studio Mac comes in two options. You can get it with the M1 Max for $2,000, or you can get it in the Ultra for $4,000. It is available for order now, and um, you can pick it up or have it shipped, depending on when you ordered it, uh, starting March 18th. So your thoughts on this this, uh, Studio Mac? And probably the the audience that you think this is for. Uh, so uh, to to piggyback, uh, this uh, Mac Mini is thick. Uh, I like to playfully say it's got some yams. <laughs> yams for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, not, it's 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 a big boy, right? Um, which makes sense because it is, according to the notes, eighty percent faster graphics than the top-end Mac Pro. So that's the the trash can Mac that people 
refer to as the Mac Pro. So this is 80% faster than that. I'm pretty sure when you get it with the um, M1 Ultra um, chip versus the M1 Max. So it's got to have a little bit more space to cool it off without it being loud. Because what you don't want is this loud machine sitting on your desk. So they had to make a little bit more space to get the airflow through. Uh, so it makes sense. Um, 2000, when you compare the price between the M1 Mac Mini at about what, six to eight to 1300, depending on mm -hmm. how you configure it, mm -hmm. to this one starting at two grand, yeah. that's not even with, you know, up to eight terabytes of storage. That's your space. basic. That's not including the M1 Max chip. You know, um, that's a big gap. Uh, so um, there's some people out there who have some decisions to make. Mm -hmm. Do I get or keep my M1 Mac Mini, which for most of us is just fine? Yeah. Or do I shell out at least $2,000 to get the latest and greatest? There are some people mm -hmm. who want the latest and greatest, but that 2K plus price tag, that this will gonna make some people think twice. Yeah, I was. Uh, I have to say, I was on uh, Twitter and I saw someone post. They kind of like did the meme where there was like two thousand dollars, and it was like kind of like the head blowing emoji. And then below it, it was like, but if I put it on my no interest Apple card for two ninety nine a month, it was a hmm emoji. <laughs> so you know, it just depends on how people maybe want to kind of spread it out or even then, that's a car it. note. Uh, if you got good credit, $300 is a, you know, a, a, a lease on a souped up Toyota Camry. So I don't yeah. know. Do you want to pay interest free uh, for a computer that when you can have a Toyota Camry? Is that? Yeah. The... <laughs> yeah. So but I to me, the name says it all it says Studio Mac for me when they were going through the presentation, it 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 gave me, you know, you're doing uh, audio, you are in the studio, you know, working on tracks, mixing tracks or doing whatever, or you're in a movie studio editing, um, you know, a movie or a video or, you know, something of that sort. You're doing animation. To me, it gave me big creative studio vibes. And with the name Studio Mac, that's, that's kind of what my thought process was. And I was thinking, I was like, okay, they're going to give this for the creatives and then maybe they'll have something for the everyday, the quote unquote everyday person. And I was like, maybe we'll get something else. And I was like, nah, B, we're going to roll with this and you get into it or, or not. And the companion to this Studio Mac is the Studio Display, which is a 27 inch 5K retina display, A13 Bionic chip. Um, it has 12 megapixel uh, ultra wide camera. It supports center stage, um, six, six speaker surround sound. It has three USB ports, one Thunderbolt port. Um, and it says here that it can, uh, oh yeah, we talked about how many can. Yeah, you can daisy chain. Can, yeah, you can daisy chain uh, the three studio displays. Yep, together. Uh, to have a nice little setup there. Yeah, on a Mac Pro. On the images, I mean, it was when they first showed the pictures, I was like, oh, wow, this is really pretty. I mean, the images of it, 
I mean, it's Apple. So, you know, the, the, the visualizations, the, the graphics are going to be stunning, which they were. Um, I don't care. I don't think care about it. it comes with like a tilt, a 30 degree tilt. Um, I think the biggest thing is that, um, we, we talked about it a little bit, um, in our pre-show, um, if you become a Patreon supporter, you can hear that conversation as well, um, that it gives you some new color options on the extended keyboard and the, um, and the mouse. You can get that in silver and in this new black color as well. Um, this will run you starting at $1,600. You can order it now and it will be available on March 18th. Do you think that this particular display um, compared to other, you know, 5K Retina um, displays or even a 4K display, do you think, you know, it's primarily for, you know, creative people or do you think, you know, the quote unquote regular everyday person will will be up to, to make this purchase? If you're going to spend uh, $4,000 for this Studio Mac, just spend the extra two thousand dollars and get the studio display with it for a cool. What's that? My math is uh, six thousand and some change. Yeah, about uh, thirty. Just go ahead and do that. Space. But yeah. if you just have like a Mac sitting around or you have a MacBook sitting around, uh, get the LG Ultra Fine displays. The same ones that if you go to the Apple Store and all of the displays that they use to show off the quality of the screen for the Macs in the store. They're using LG ultrafine displays. So get one of those, save you a half, half of this, if not more, and then go on about your business. You yeah. have no business paying $1,600 for to run this, this on a regular Mac mini. And you're going to connect it to your little funky MacBook. Yeah. <laughs> it really, I, I think it really kind of miss, misses the point. And I think this is why they announced them together. And this is why they have similar names is because they really are companion pieces. And if you're going to spend this kind of money on either one of these devices, you might as well get the biggest bang for your buck and go ahead. Because you might be doing yourself a service. As yeah. powerful as the studio Mac is, you're going to go put it on a, you know, a, <laughs> A your your display you have at the house right now the one you got now <laughs> yeah <laughs> mm, that's not gonna be a good look sorry not sorry it's yeah that's that's a waste of your two thousand right. dollars if you're going to put it on on that screen I saw there was a debate going on, on Twitter as well um, someone posted it was like uh, the studio display um, has a, a better interior than most Android phones. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> really? And they were like, the the Android people are fighting for their lives in this <laughs> in this thread. Um, but I mean, it has the A13 Bionic chip. Right. So, and a camera. So, <laughs> nice display. So, All yeah, it needs the, is a touch screen. And you got your yeah. mini iPhone 13 on you. <laughs> on your display yeah and it officially the introduction of of this studio display is the official end of the um iMac 27 inch um uh product as well i think they are sunsetting it now which makes sense because you know apple wants you to buy this now 
So that is it for the new studio line. Um, and there was one other thing that was announced um, at this peak performance event, and it is the new iPad Air. It current it will come in uh, five colors: purple, blue, pink, space gray, and starlight. It will run the M1 chip. You can get it in both Wi-Fi and 5G models. It will come with a 12 megapixel ultra wide front camera, the center stage as well, USB-C. It does have touch ID, so it does not have face ID, similar to how the SE doesn't have face ID. This has the little button on the top that is your, your touch display. Um, it does support um, second gen Apple Pencil, so you can still use that. Um, price is going to start at um, $599, 600 bucks. You can get it in either 64 gigabits or 256. Um, you can order it starting on Friday, and it will be available starting on March 18th. Now, this is something that I would be interested in whenever I give up my iPad Pro because I'm going to keep it funky. I don't use the Provert parts <laughs> of the <laughs> iPhone, uh, the, for, uh, for, uh, the iPad Pro. I use it for a perfect example for this podcast when I'm looking at the notes. I don't need an iPad Pro to look at the notes. Uh, the iPad Pro that I have was the first generation that was uh, compatible with the second generation Apple Pencil. Since this iPad Air is compatible with the Apple Pencil, I can step down from that. It's got the uh, M1 chip in it, uh, which is something my iPad Pro doesn't have right now. Um, it's got the faster USB-C port. So if I want to plug my um, USB-C uh, external drive. It'll be even faster than the Mac, the iMac Pro that I, not iMac, iPad Pro that I have right now. So all that to say, um, whenever I'm in the market for a new iPad, I'll probably drop down and pick up the iPad Air, save me 150, 200 bucks, but get a better device. And save you some space too, because it's thinner. Right. Cool. All right. So that wraps up the breakdown of the peak performance event. Um, and let us know if anybody uh, plans on purchasing anything. Let us know on our socials. We are at Snobwestcast pretty much everywhere on the internet. Uh, let us know if you plan on picking up any of the devices or if there's something that you wanted to see that you didn't see, um, let us know. So with that being said, we're going to head over into second string where we talk all of the tech. There was really only one thing that I kind of pulled out uh, from the news this week because pretty much since the Apple event was yesterday, uh, pretty much everything was about speculation about what was going to happen at the event and what was actually um, announced at the event. But on Tuesday, if you are a Spotify and Discord Discord user, there was an outage on Tuesday. And I know I saw it on Twitter. People were talking about my Spotify won't blah, 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 blah. I'm not on Spotify anymore. I kept my title and I moved over to Apple Music. But for those folks who are still on Spotify, it looked like they lost connection for much of the afternoon on Tuesday. Turns out it wasn't the internet. It wasn't anything with either Discord or Spotify, even though I think um, Facebook was impacted. I think Wikipedia was impacted, but not as much 
as with Spotify and Discord, which pretty much shuttered their operations. Turns out it was um, Google Cloud. Um, They did some sort of update, uh, new release to their platform, and um, it caused Spotify and Discord to lose their service. It turned out after they, you know, did a little risk analysis and kind of, you know, looked into what was going on, um, there was a glitch with the new release that affected the traffic director component. What they end up doing to satisfy their customers, they rolled back to the previous version of um of their of their interface and that resumed the service and by 4 p.m eastern standard time that day spotify and discord both were back up and running so it all goes to show that you gotta make sure you know your infrastructure partners um they can cause you a little bit of money if um some things go wrong and it really to me it's it's shocking for the fact that when you roll out a new update, you usually kind of test out those components. So I'm not sure who heads up their testing group, but they probably got some not so nice words to them uh, from their engineering leadership about what happened uh, in the pipeline of ensuring this release um, rollout. So especially when you got competitors like mm-hmm. um, Azure. Uh, mm-hmm. And AWS, Amazon's yeah. version. So I'm pretty sure Google is, you know, already hanging well, by a thread at the yeah. type of customers that they're getting. And then something like this happens, I could see customers like, yeah, next year uh, we're going to take a little bit harder look at Azure. IBM has a cloud. Mm-hmm. AWS has a cloud. You know, um, but even in addition to that, you know. Um, Companies are 100% beholden to one provider Mm -hmm. uh, when before uh, it wasn't common and it probably still is common to have some sort of on-premise server um, architecture set up to where if something like this were to happen, you can easily switch to your your own hosted servers to keep the traffic going. You know, but now as technology is technology and more people are like, eh, forget all that hardware stuff. Let I don't want to pay cloud. for that. Yeah. Right. Let me go to the cloud and let them do all that. Well, there's <laughs> there's, there's drawbacks. That. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you got to sure. be careful. I'm not saying yeah. don't do it. But I'm saying just be ready to answer them questions and be in the meetings and be up all night long. Uh, IT service desk queue <laughs> trying yeah. to figure out what's going on because there will be some times where you have to do that or at least have a backup plan even if you don't have the full scale uh architecture and server set up at least have you know some sort of fallback that if it does go out you can get people limited service and say hey we know something's going on but here's this limited service so you can kind of keep doing some basic things and we will get you back up to speed and they've probably been you know deflecting some of those advertisements and sales calls from, you know, AWS, IBM, all those folks saying, hey, why don't you come and listen to us and listen to our presentation? Now they may be like, you know what, let's take some of these calls and and see what they have to say. So needless to say, Spotify and Discord and the others that were affected did get back up and running um, by the uh, almost the end of the workday. So um, the outage wasn't too long, but it was very noticeable and people were talking. And that's never good to have people talking about um, 
your your service. And you know, it not be your fault. It's someone, it's you know, your provider. So that makes it even that makes it sting a little bit more. So that's gonna be it for second string. We're gonna head over to for the culture. I wanted to introduce a new segment this year. Um, since we are in uh, March and it is Women's History Month. So I want to introduce a new segment called She Did That. And um, if you listen to us, we were on uh, DTNS earlier this week. Um, this might be a repeat, but I think it is worth repeating. So our She Did That um, person for for this month well, for this week, because I do it every week uh, through, the, through the entire month, is Dr. Shirley Ann Jackson. She is a physicist, and she is the current president of Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. She is the first Black woman to earn a doctorate at MIT. She is the second Black woman in the United States to earn a doctorate in physics. And she is the first woman and first Black American to be president of Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. Additionally, I said she was a physicist as well. So her work in the theoretical physics department um, at um, AT&T slash Bell Laboratories, the, her research led to the invention. So her work is the foundation, the base for the invention of the fax machine, touchstone phone, fiber optic cells, cellular cells, and the technology behind caller ID and call waiting. In addition to her professional pursuits and her educational higher ed roles, she was also a leader in the public policy space. She was the co-chair for the President's Intelligence Advisory Board in the Obama administration, as well as the President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology in the Obama administration. Also, she was the chairman of the U.S. Nuclear uh, regulation com uh, commission in the um, Clinton administration, and in that particular role as a chairman of uh, NRC, she was both the first woman and the first Black American to hold that role. Um, a couple of honors that she's received in her uh, lifetime: um, induction into the National Women's Hall of Fame the National Medal of Science, which she received from President Obama. And she also is a fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering. So that is our She Did That honoree for this week, Dr. Shirley Jackson. Mm -hmm. Still, she did a lot and she's still here. Oh, yes. Yeah. The whole the whole thing, you know, uh, we want to make sure we celebrate people while they're still here versus waiting till something, you know, after the fact. Yeah. And then we're dig going back to say, okay, well, for Black History Month, yeah. you know, let's celebrate this person who died 20 years yeah. ago. I hate to be so blunt about it, but, but you know, there's some people is. out here who are doing, uh, doing literally good. making history every day, like that. right. And we and we don't necessarily call it history. We don't consider it history because you know we're alive. So I don't want to be looked at as historic because it's like you you attribute historic with old. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like people kind of wait for mm -hmm. people to pass in order to call it history when uh, clearly, clearly with some of the things she's done, uh, history is being made, you know, as we live and breathe. Yeah. Give people their flowers while they can still smell them. All right. I don't know. Did you see this? I think this just this recently happened or it recently was brought to the attention 
when trying to be discreet about your monies goes wrong, Ryan Coogler, the famed and uh, noted director of Black Panther, currently Black Panther 2, which is being recorded here, as well as Fruitvale Station, as well as the Creed, the Rocky spinoff uh, uh, movie as well. He was accused of being a bank robber when he was trying to make withdrawal from his checking account at Bank of America. Uh, he went into Bank of America with his mask on, a hat on, and sunglasses because we're still in COVID and people still want to make sure that they are protected. Um, and he, on his on his withdrawal slip, he wrote a note on it saying, hey, I want to take out $12,000 from my checking account. Um, can you count the money somewhere else? Because I'm trying to be discreet. Well, the bank teller said, essentially, she was like, okay, and she went to withdraw the money um, and the alarm set off because anytime you take out anything over $9,999, it does do a flag because 10000 is what kind of triggers the, R the IRS. So it appears that in addition to him writing that on his withdrawal slip and it being $12,000, she thought he was trying to rob the bank. And they called the police and they handcuffed him, escorted him out. Uh, he was with two other people who were outside waiting for him to run in and probably run out. They also put them in the back of the police car. Um, it was ultimately settled once they verified his identity. They let him go on about his business. I'm still not sure if he even got his money or not. I don't know. It didn't, I don't think I saw anywhere where it said he got his money. But um, he said that, you know, the situation was, you know, ultimately handled with, you know, Bank of America. They addressed his issues to satisfaction. He moved on. But the quote, but quote, this situation should never have happened. So he's in Atlanta uh, filming. They're filming uh, Black Panther 2 here. Um, so I guess, what are your thoughts? Was it overblown? Did the teller do too much? Was him writing on the deposit slip? Was that, you know, what are your thoughts? Because, of course, the internet has lots of thoughts. Well, um, so my thoughts were, you say, was the teller doing too much? Actually, in my opinion, she didn't do enough. She went from seeing this dude looking at the note and then calling the police calling calling her manager and then calling the police you know after they arrest put him in cuffs put his two homies in the squad car then they oh let's verify who you are right i would think that the verifying who he is and how much money he got in his account or whatever, what it came first. And then if that didn't match up and he looked antsy and whatever, then you bring in the authorities. It's just the fact that they jumped escalated right from. So what, say what? I said escalated so quickly. Yeah, there are a lot of steps so in between there. To where now it gets to the point to where people will make the case would they have escalated that quickly 
if he had not been black. Mm -hmm. Even though the teller was black, Mm -hmm. that don't mean just because the person, you know, who felt threatened or called the police or whatever, just because they are the same color doesn't make this a race issue. No, it can still be a race issue because of the- Racism is a systematic thing. It's not a It's a systematic thing. And if you are a part of the system, you can be affected by the system. So, you know, based on her training, based on past incidences, based on the way the bank's rules, whatever, based on how they do things, she could have freaked out. And she probably could have been just freaked out. I'm not putting that past her either. But I guess the question is, because it went down like this, it makes people ask the question, would she freaked out if it was a white dude? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I can see I can see how it looks sketchy Mm -hmm. he's got sunglasses he's got a mask he's trying to be on the low he hands her a note right even though the note says i want my money out of my account it didn't say i would draw a slip from bank of america right even though he didn't write in the little forms and he didn't fill out his name and address and he didn't put his account number in the boxes and he didn't fill out the form how you would normally fill out a form. He did indicate in the note, I want my money from my account, not all your money from the bank. You know, if she would have read that and said, okay, that's going to run a flag. She could have just been like, yeah, I know you're trying to be on the low, but anything above $10,000 needs to go through these extra checks. If you just bear with me for a minute, I'm going to get my uh, manager involved. We're going to make sure everything is cool. We're going to get you out of here as fast as possible. Once we verify who you are, ABC, you'll be out. I mean, but it, that you know, would have, if it was someone trying to rob the bank at that point, the gun they would have freaked out, out and left or, or whatever the case may be, you know. It, yeah. It could have been, like you said, as simple as we do need you to fill out this slip correctly. Give me, let me have your ID. I can look up your account. We can get it filled out correctly and we can get you on your way. Right, right. So the fact that none of that happened leads people to say this was a racial thing, which again, the second part is why do people, unless you call it what it is, why do white people work so hard to prove that something is not racist but they don't put that same energy into acknowledging that something is racist. It's like, why do we have to, without beyond a shadow of a doubt, this person or these people or this system is racist to its core for you to say, hey, you've got a point. These folks, they work overtime to prove, and even black folks too, because there's a lot of black folks in this story that I've seen in the tweets that say, well, he didn't fill out the form wrong, right? Or you can see how it looked kind of sketchy and he had people in the car with the car running, that screams bank robbery, you know? That could that could very well be true, but there right. are things you can do right. to verify that that's not the case. Right, and if the person doing it would have been white would those checks and balances automatically kicked in we can't we can't help but ask those questions 
when stuff because like the this history happens. Of this country. We can't because we can't. because these things typically don't happen to white people. They don't. Yeah. They don't typically happen. They typically happen to black folks and minorities and brown folks and whatever. You know, it happens to us more often than not. And it doesn't happen to the, to white folks, you right. know, at the same level, at the same they intensity. Been, they would, I think they would have been given the benefit of the doubt and said, um, you know, this isn't quite filled out correctly. Let's kind of get things in order. And again, you have to really think about it. Who goes into a bank these days? I mean, who fills out a deposit slip these days? And again, he's in a different country. I mean, he's in a different state and he's like super rich. Super rich people don't just go and do this regular stuff. They have people that do that for him, but he he's in a different state. So he had to go do it himself, I guess. And so if I was, I can't say what I would do if if I was in this situation, but you could also make the case that maybe somebody was extorting him. Maybe the people in the car was like low key going to the bank. We want your money. Don't make a scene. And maybe, maybe, maybe if the teller would have picked up on that and said, okay, well, we need you to fill out the form correctly. We need to go through these extra checks. Wink two times if you need help. Right. Then then it would make sense to then flag your boss, flag the police because he might have been in danger. You didn't right. you didn't do that. It's just like, oh, you know, Zero black to a man, thousand. Uh, sketchy police. That's like bam, bam, bam. There's no extra. Must nothing. Be he could have been in danger. Reason. He could have been in danger. And by you stalling could have caused him to not be in so much danger. But yeah. again, yeah, if we're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to run these crazy scenarios that people are running on Twitter, run that one as well. I mean, there's, I mean, <laughs> it's one of those things where it, <sighs> we are a threat first. And we are not given the benefit of the doubt. We are a threat first. None of this other stuff, you know, matters when yeah. if it had been somebody else, all these other things more, more than likely, I can safely say would have been considered prior to mm-hmm. let's get the feds in here on this mm-hmm. dude. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, honestly, in, you know, the worst case scenario, I'm just glad they didn't come in guns blazing because if you tell cops, you know, we got a bank robbery in progress, you know, they could have come Flat in. Flat Jackson and, and shot guns. The and- yeah. I mean, <laughs> it could have been bad. Yeah. So, you know, even though this was really bad, it could have been worse. So I, I think it's one of those things where I guess you have to kind of find the good in something. And the good in something is he got to go home at the end of the night. So. Just treat people, treat everybody the same way you would treat everybody else. Or you know what? Better yet, treat everyone the same way you treat a white person. <laughs> or <laughs> or treat everybody like a threat. <laughs> treat I mean, everybody like a threat or treat nobody like a threat. Just be consistent. Right. Just yeah. be consistent. Be consistently yeah. bad or consistently, or consistently good. good. At the very least, you're consistent. For sure. So he seems to be, you know, okay. he's But not really okay. because he felt that if, if, if I'm okay, I would have let it slide. But clearly he's not okay. This yeah. bothered him enough to put all the stuff out there after the fact. Yeah, for him to put out a statement because he is notoriously um, low key, low key. He's notoriously notoriously off the grid. He doesn't have an Instagram. He doesn't have a Twitter. 
he don't do none of that crazy stuff that everybody out here is doing. He's like, I'm going to make my movies. I'm going to enjoy my life and mind my business. He's probably one of the most unproblematic people in Hollywood and, you know, black. So, yeah. So that is it uh, this week for uh, for the culture. Let's head on over to the hookup to hear our tech tip of the week. All right. Uh, this week I have a Mac uh, app. It's called App Cleaner for Mac. And basically what it does is it, it del- get, removes any traces of software that you're looking to delete or uninstall from your Mac. Uh, deleting software from your Mac traditionally is you just move it to the trash and then empty the trash. If you want to go even a step further, after you empty the trash, you restart your Mac, boom, the software is gone. But if you just do that, there are still some system preferences. There are still some uh, P-list files. Yep. There are some things that can still lurk on your on your Mac, even after you just move the application to the trash, empty the trash, restart your Mac. That's what App Cleaner is for. When you open up App Cleaner, you drag the applications to the App Cleaner window. Once you do that, it goes through and like literally shows you all the extra things that you originally were not going to delete. Shows you all those things, those extra files, those extra documents, those extra little things that can take up space on your computer. And once you once it's done doing this little scan, then you delete it. And then if you want to take this extra step further, you empty the trash and restart your Mac. It's a free app. Uh, if you want to donate to the developer, uh, please do so. But if um, you're looking for a way to make sure you are deleting or uninstalling an application from your Mac, uh, definitely check out App Cleaner for Mac. And we'll make sure we put a link in the show notes. So if you go to our website or you go to the show notes in the podcast, you can get that app as well. Nice. Um, I know I could have used this when I had, what was it? I was trying to get the Adobe Cloud off of one of my Macs. It was the worst experience. Even when I uninstall the apps, even when I, you know, you run the uninstaller, when you deleted it, the, 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 I guess the, not the actual you know, Photoshop, not the actual app, but the, I guess, house for the app, the creative cloud software, mm-hmm. I could not get it off. I had to dig deep, 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 deep down in the libraries to get that thing off my machine because every time I would boot up my machine, it would pop up and try and run and force me to log in and all this stuff. And it was the worst. And yeah. Well, this this is what that specifically that. is for. I was doing it for uh, Office. I finally stopped being hood <laughs> and bought a copy of uh, uh, Office, you know, just the Word, Excel, PowerPoint mm-hmm. uh, for me and my wife. And uh, before I had it the hood way. So <laughs> I used this to get rid of the old uh, Office 364 before before installing the <laughs> the paid for version. I'm going to keep yeah. that on the low. But. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say if for the, um, the office, because I was, I still had my um, office 365 from when I was in grad school, 
course, they ultimately, you know, got rid of my ID so I couldn't log in anymore and I had to buy it for myself. And I actually got a lifetime subscription for like 50 bucks from Cult of Mac. They had mm -hmm. a little code going. I was like, ooh, I saw it on like Twitter or something. I was like, let me, because I follow them. And I was like, let me go ahead and pop over and get this. So if you're interested, if you don't have it, you need it, that's the place you can go to probably get, you know, not have to pay the full thing. But yeah, being able to get rid of that stuff is, that's very helpful. I'm definitely going to take a look at that myself. So that wraps up the show for this week. Um, I am not anywhere in the news this week, but you can, of course, follow me on social media. I'm at Tech Savvy Diva everywhere. Terrence, in the news this week, where are you? Well, we, the Snob OS cast, was on DTNS this week. So if you go to DTNS uh, YouTube page or you subscribe to their podcast, uh, you can hear us uh, do a recap with Tom and Sarah and those folks over at DTNS. Uh, in addition to that, uh, earlier this week, uh, I recorded my other podcast, The Tech John. Uh, so definitely you can go to our social media handles or you can go to thetechjohn.com and get our latest show on that. Uh, and other than that, you can find me all things social at Brother Tech. Awesome. That is our show for this week. We thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you on next week. Have a good one, everybody. Peace. Bye.